Today, we have three young sellers who show that Amazon isn't just private label. One is a seven-figure wholesaler. The second is making seven figures drop shipping. And the third did over $20,000 in their first month on Amazon at the age of 16. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, organic, unscripted, and unrehearsed, serious conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And I said it's a serious conversation, but somehow I feel that we're not going to be too serious today with this group here. We got my friends here. We got Melissa, Kenzo, and Chris. How's it going, guys? Amazing. Thank you so much for showing us around. Thank you for coming here. It's great to have you in town. And we've got three different sellers who have three different strategies. And I think that's kind of cool. It's important that people understand that there's different ways to make money on Amazon. But before we get into like what you guys are doing now, I always love getting into the origin story. So like, where, where'd you grow up, Melissa? I grew up in a small town called Kitchener in Canada, okay. about an hour west from Toronto. All right. And Chris? I actually was born in New Jersey, but I moved down to Florida when I was a very small child and I lived there for basically 26 years. And I've been in California just recently for this past year. So pretty cool experience to get to know a new place. All right. Kenzo. Um, so I'm from Northern California, uh, East Bay area. So right around Oakland, um, this town called Dublin. And then I recently moved out here to Orange County about eight months ago. Okay. So do you say hella a lot? Is, yes, is that I still a thing hella. up there? Okay. Okay. Just, just I do say I'll hella. be prepared. Right. Cool. <laughs> now, did you go to college, Melissa? I did. So I went to University of Laurier in Waterloo. I studied business administration, failed out of that and moved into just a general um, business management and communications. So when you went into college, like what was your like career goal at that time? Like, why did you pick business administration? Well, originally I was supposed to go to school to become a dentist, but then I saw somewhere or I read this stat where dentists have are one of the top suicidal rates of any profession. Mm, so I last minute just switched into business. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. I just decided to apply for business and yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I don't think, you know, a lot of people in the business world, they say it's so stressful. They want to commit suicide too sometimes, but uh, I think you picked the right, the right, the right track here. Chris, how about you? What was your educational background? So I did two years, uh, at, in college and it was for engineering, but really towards the end of it, uh, when the class started getting more and more difficult, uh, three in the morning doing calcul calculus and equations. And I just didn't want to wake up the next morning and take an exam. I really wasn't in mm -hmm. it 150%. And you have to, when you're, when, when you're doing things at that level. And so I said, screw that. I'm just going to get into something that I could learn that I'm good at, which is com computer something with selling online, anything that I could do from like anywhere. Okay. Kenzo. Um, so I actually graduated high school two years early and I've only, I only went to a community college for one semester and I started the year with five classes and somehow I ended the year with one class and I got three credits. Mm. Did you have a plan at all or like, Hey, honestly, I would love to do this. Honestly, not really. Just because I actually started e-commerce in high school. Um, I started by selling on eBay and I was making sufficient money. Um, to actually live on my own. Obviously, I was living with my parents and, you know, I was able to save a lot of the funds that I was making just because I had no overhead. So I was truly blessed for that. But um, I've always been business savvy, um, always trying to make an extra dollar. So in reality, I kind of just knew that anything I wanted to do had to be like 
me being my own boss and whatnot. I like it. I like it. And I think this is important. Yes, we have had people on here who actually are trained lawyers and we had somebody who was trained to be a doctor and, and somehow they end up in the e-commerce world. And one of the common themes is that it doesn't require some like fancy education to, to do what we, what we do here. Sometimes it needs the entrepreneurial, you know, kind of spirit, but Guys, if you're out there listening, if you're like 18, 19, 20, 21, maybe you just dropped out of college or you haven't started yet and you're like freaking out, just remember, guys, that's the college, a four-year education or four-year degree. Nobody here has a bachelor's degree, do they? Do we? Oh, you do. Okay. But what you do now, do you owe that to your four-year degree or is it kind of you had your four-year degree, but it's like you probably could be doing what you're doing now, even if you didn't have it. I could definitely be doing what I'm doing without that business education, but it's hard to say that- what if I didn't go to school mm-hmm. there? What if I didn't meet certain people? What if they didn't connect me to different opportunities online? What if I didn't get a taste of making yep. internet money, you know? Um, so I, I can't really say for sure if like, obviously the education itself that I mm-hmm. learned wasn't that valuable for what I was paying for. A lot of the classes were taught in like a lecture style where you're re- reading off of a PowerPoint, like literally the professor yeah. is reading the bullet points when they send the slides in the morning anyway. So half the time I didn't really go to class because I couldn't stand listening to someone who's just reading off of a slide and half of my, my textbooks, which are like two, $300 a pop didn't even come out of their plastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that just shows you guys, I mean, the, the education itself sometimes isn't the way to go, but that's not to say that, Oh, if you guys are, dedicated to having a four-year degree. That's a bad thing. I mean, I know plenty of successful people who have four-year degrees, but the the point I'm trying to make is it's not the only path to success. And we, we we're going to see that I think through today's episode. Now, now going back to you, Melissa, like how, how did you get into e-commerce in general? So it was through trial and error of a lot of different things online. Just the idea of making money online was something that appealed to me just because of the location neutral freedom that you can have with it. So I grew up with uh, the Twitter era. So I used to build up Twitter accounts and use that to drive traffic to for CPA marketing. So like cost per action marketing and basically made my first few, you know, internet dollars through that platform and just was hooked. So from there, kind of just tried a bunch of different things. And then I landed on e-commerce while I was working in car sales at BMW. And I met a couple and they were selling on Amazon. They were doing fairly well. They had just started, but they were selling stupid amount of money selling, you know, like household items and, you know, healthcare. And I, I was just blown away by the numbers that they were doing. And I was like, you know what, this is something that I'm open to. I'm going to do more research. And I think I'll take a leap of faith and, you know, just go all in and let's do it. So when was your like first product on Amazon? Let's just say. My first product was on Amazon about three and a half years ago. Are you still selling that same product now? Yes, I am. Wow. Yes. So a lot of people like kind of like strike out with their first product. So they can usually talk about it and go like, Oh yeah, I used, I tried to sell a silicone spatula and that bombed, but that's pretty cool. Your first product and it's still selling three and a half years later. Yeah. Well, we actually started with four products. So one of them took off. We still have, we have three out of those four still selling today, but there was one that we just kind of discontinued, but we've added a bunch more SKUs since then. Okay. Chris, What's your journey into e-commerce like? So, so you, you, the college wasn't, wasn't the way, did you start selling on eBay or, or what was your first entry into the e-commerce world? Yeah. So basically it started with, after I left college, I was doing some kind of computer programming as well, network administration, trying to just get involved with something aside from what I was doing. And I ended up starting with an eBay course. 
Uh, and it was just as simple as seeing somebody selling some kind of information to learn how to do this. I thought, well, I mean, I know eBay. I kind of know computers pretty good. I can probably sell stuff online, right? And I just took a leap of faith, bought some you know, $2,000 course on my card. And uh, I, I said, basically, I spent money on this. I have to do this now, right? And so uh, it literally just came down to following instructions and doing things systematically. Uh, and really just the right amount of steps over a long period of time is where I saw my first success. I think the first item I sold on eBay was uh, a zero gravity chair, one of those uh, outdoor zero gravity chairs. Mm-hmm. But the order was to Puerto Rico. And so I couldn't ship to Puerto Rico. So it was like this really big excitement that I had because I sold this first item and I couldn't do anything with it because I had to cancel it. Yeah. Um, but it was just the idea of like, oh my God, I made my first eight bucks online and I literally put in like five minutes of work to do that. Mm-hmm. So all I had to do in my mind was just compound that and keep on doing that over and over again. So through the time I started through eBay and of course, every selling platform has its ups and downs. You know, every selling platform is going to have its wave of really, really, really successful sellers that come through. And then policies change. You are at the whim of the rules of these platforms. You know, you are privileged to sell with them. So uh, things change with eBay. And so I took the same strategies and moved it over to Amazon. And so Amazon just has infinitely more traffic than, than eBay, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know, obviously. And so a lot of the strategies were similar and we just morphed it into uh, the same business model. Uh, but now we had more access to traffic and we just had to play a different game, like a different game, different rules. Right. But it was still kind of under the same e-commerce uh, umbrella, I guess you could say. And really just building building a team there, engaging with students who were uh, in the material we were teaching. And it really just uh, helped me understand the e-commerce space more. I'm not sure how many of you guys notice this, but the more that you teach something, the better that you get at it, because you have to make sure you're teaching it correctly. Right. If you're teaching the wrong information, then. Well, that's a whole different story. You probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. Uh, but really just showing other people how to earn their first 100 bucks online, earn their first 50 bucks online, right? That's someone's gas bill. That's that's somebody's car payment they can maybe make. So yeah. really just having an impact on how I could change my life selling, but then also use that information to change somebody else's life, even in a small way. Uh, I think that's a really powerful thing to learn, a really good skill to have. So the course you took was actually on eBay, how to sell on yeah, eBay? Yeah, it was actually how to sell on eBay. Interesting. Uh, and, and it had the, all the fundamentals and really just evolved into after learning that, you learn how to make it better. So things that I didn't learn in the course, you know, I put together and really just starting out. I think a lot of people never start because they think it's too hard or it's too yeah. confusing. But uh, coming from all three of you know, three of us, Kenzo, Melissa, myself, uh, you don't need, it's not rocket science, right? You learn how to push a few buttons. And I really think that being resourceful is something that all three of us have in common here because we don't have crazy, crazy educations, but we all know kind of how to find a problem to a yeah. solution when it's not right in front of you, right? Yeah. Finding a different way. And I think that's probably the most powerful skill that, that you could learn in any entrepreneurial journey that you, that you go on. Absolutely. Now, Kenzo, you said you started in e-commerce even when you were in high school. Correct. Okay. So like, what, what was it? What, what did that look like? So basically I started uh, e-com online um, it basically originated when I was actually in middle school, eighth grade. Um, I remember my friend came to school with these really cool shoes on and he told me like where he got them and how much he got them for. And so I couldn't find them anywhere. And I went on eBay and I found them for a 200% markup. And I was like, whoa, 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 uh, this is ridiculous. And somehow I convinced my mom to buy it. And then I realized like seeing her after she bought the shoes and like her complaining about how ridiculous it is that someone marks it up this much. I saw that there was a market there to actually mark up shoes. Um, and I figured out what resellers are and all these things. And I started with that and I actually made some ridiculous money uh, freshman year of high school. I made like 
I believe $700 for like four hours of work, like profit. And I, I was just, I was blown away, but it wasn't consistent. I couldn't consistently get these rare sneakers because everybody's trying to get them. So once that kind of died out for me, I actually hopped over to Shopify and I tried, you know, Shopify wholesale. I started like bought some jewelry on AliExpress and then ran some ads because I saw some guy driving a Lamborghini on Instagram and he said he was doing it. So mm -hmm. I went ahead and I tried it. I got my first sale actually when I was in Portland with my mom, I made like seven bucks. And then that was like the only sale I ever made on Shopify. So then I actually went ahead and I saw some other dude driving a Lamborghini. And then I went ahead and I bought some, an, an eBay course and, uh, uh, he was the one who was actually teaching it. So, um, he wasn't the face of it, but he was, he was the one that when I came down to LA, he actually taught me. You're pointing to, to Chris. Yeah. Right, correct, okay. Chris. Oh, my bad guys. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I started with that and I made some good money. Um, the profit margins weren't what I was seeking. So then I kind of got into wholesale. Um, and that built up really well. I was doing a lot of volume, but then it kind of got to the point where it was ridiculous running this operation on my room. Right. So I'm like sending out hundreds of orders a day. And I'm like, okay, how could I scale this business? I physically don't have enough time to go ahead and uh, pick, pack, and ship each one of these products. And I knew that Amazon was always the move. Even when I started eBay, everybody buys on Amazon. I don't even buy on eBay. I buy on Amazon. Um, and then I heard about this thing called FBA. And that's when they actually handle all your pick, packing, and shipping and your customer service for the product. It was a no-brainer. So I hopped over into that. Um, and it took me five months to even find my first product to sell. But literally once I had my first product, which I remember it was a Sharpie 12 pack of, no, Sharpie 24 pack of these color burst markers. And my first month I made like $22,000 in gross sales, which was just obscene to me. How, how old were you at that time? I was 16. Wow. So, so that cool. was um, definitely wild for me. And then it's just been compounding ever since, right? Um, just, you know, networking with more suppliers, adding more SKUs to the list and just going from there. Cool. Now going back to you, Melissa, like in 2019, what were, I mean, cause your, your main model is, is kind of like the private label model, right? Is that correct? Right. Exactly. So like in private label about how much did you gross in, in 2019, would you say? Uh, 2019, we did multiple seven figures, multiple seven figures. How many, how many different products? Uh, well, I actually currently have seven different brands that okay. sell on Amazon. So we definitely, um, I guess expanded from the first brand that I started about three years ago and we have, Close to, I want to say 30 SKUs. Okay. And that just those by itself generated multiple seven figures. So cool. It's kind of mind blowing. Like some days I wake up and I have to pinch myself. So what's like your main strategy? Like for the ones that, that were successful, you know, we'll talk about the failures too, but like, so you have multiple brands that are doing well. Like how did you launch or what's your launch strategy for a launch new brand? Do you, do you rely on social media or are you doing like just PPC or how, how do you get, how do you get that initial sales velocity? Yeah. So it's a combination of a lot of different things. Amazon really likes diversification when it comes to traffic. So I guess um, in 2019, it was a little bit different or even a couple of years ago, it was very different because before you used to be able to like buy reviews, right? You can mm -hmm. incentivize mm -hmm. reviews, but now that it's no longer a thing, you really have to pivot. So now what we do is we're running many chat lists um, and we build these many chat lists through Facebook advertising. Are you taking them to a, a two-step URL or it's just, just going directly to the listing or? Right, what? exactly. So what we do is we have a two-step URL um, that we generate through helium10.com slash four gems. 
We also use Pixelfy.me, so we create a rotator URL, and what we do is we focus on the main keywords. So usually we'll pick like our top three to five keywords that we want to rank for, and we'll throw them into this keyword URL rotator. Mm-hmm. So we'll have five different keywords that we want to rank for, and it just kind of rotates between the different links, so it looks different. It's not you know one specific link like back then people used to use the the super URL, but the the thing about that is it's timestamp. So Amazon was catching on and started to notice that people are using the same link to buy the same product. And then they started, I guess, banning super URLs. So there's now a more advanced way to create, I guess, a supreme URL is what they call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we use a supreme URL and then we kind of just, you know, throw it in the mix with different keywords. Okay. Now, now, Chris, so Melissa's main business model on Amazon is private label. How would you describe your main business model on Amazon? So the the business model that I run on Amazon is, is a drop shipping model. And so uh, I guess the main differences there are in how you're starting out, right? Where you're getting your traffic from. Now, with Amazon, we know that there's tons of traffic, but kind of like what Melissa was talking about, you're starting a brand, you're starting a product. So not a lot of people may know what your product is or or where to find it, right? So they have to be kind of guided to where that is, you know, why somebody's going to need that product. With the dropshipping model, it's a little bit different in that the product already exists. You're already getting products that people are looking for and they're already buying. So all you have to do is just find those products and then put your name on that product listing so that people are already seeing it on Amazon. So it's kind of like you're looking at the BSR of these of these items, the bestseller ranking of the item. And that item, that number is going to change uh, periodically. It changes on a daily basis. And so the higher the number is, the less often that item is selling. And the closer that number is to one, the more frequently it's selling. And so you use that information. It's all information that that Amazon provides you using like several plugins. And there's a couple that I can mention, but some of them are always updating. So I wouldn't want to give any any accurate inaccurate information, but they're basic plugins that you use off of Google Chrome and they just give you that info. So it helps somebody who doesn't really know a lot about ads, who doesn't know about how to scale a business or create funnels and, and URLs to really just get onto the platform and start selling right away. So I think the big key difference there is the amount of money somebody has to be able to invest into a product, right? Um, if they're investing into the brand, if they're investing into, uh, you know, uh, the ads and everything that involves getting the product out there, right? With dropshipping, a lot of the barriers are not as um, uh, stringent, but obviously the profitability is a lot different, right? If you get a product in their private label, you eliminate almost all your competition, basically, and you can get some massive uh, margins in there. So there are pros and cons to that. It's very beginner friendly. If you're coming in and you don't really have a lot of experience in business, you can jump right into the dropshipping. And as long as you have some decent amount of credit, you can build up and essentially sell a product that you don't physically have on you. So you put up a product for sale, you know it's going to sell. And when it does, you're using that information to go to that online retailer that you already sourced that product from, and you're just shipping it to the customer who bought it from you on Amazon. So it's kind of, you're just like this middleman in between all the products you sell. You never touch the product, you never see the product, never handle it. You're just moving it from point A to point C and you're point B right in the middle. So it just comes down to having really good organization, having some decent credit to start out with, and just knowing how to keep up to date with all of Amazon's changes and uh, how to really maneuver the platform. So as long as, again, you have the ability to have a card and you know the right strategies, anybody can really start that model. So, so drop shipping, that means that pretty much it's all fulfilled by merchant, not FBA, because that would be correct. Yeah. So if you are the, the two main categories are FBM and FBA. So we would be dealing primarily FBM. So Amazon assumes you have responsibility to that product via a merchant. 
uh, instead of like mm-hmm. them putting it in their warehouse. But how do you make sure that like, is, you know, if you have a lot of listings, I would imagine for a dropshipping model, you need to have a pretty wide variety of SKUs that you might have active at any time. But like, how do you, when you don't have control over the inventory, like what's to say, hey, you had it listed for a week, but then by the time you do sell one, it's where you're gone. gonna get it, yeah, right, it's not course. there. So. so that's a good question, uh, Bradley. And a lot of that is solved by software. So uh, just like uh, Melissa was talking about how she was using different tools to help her manage the business, it's the same for dropshipping. So you have software that'll go in and check and connect with these retailers and these suppliers that you're using. And they'll be able to say, hey, look, this item's sold, but it's out of stock right now, uh, or it's still in stock at this price. And it's gonna go ahead and update your inventory for you. It connects via certain APIs to your Amazon account and it can check, okay, this item's out of stock right now. Let me turn the quantity to zero so you don't sell an item that you don't have. Under that model, dropshipping model, what was your, what was gross sales for the dropshipping for you for 2019? Sure. So for one store that I had running, one of the stores I had, we did about 1.6 million last year. Uh, and that is just off of right around 400 SKUs. Realistically, probably about 60% of those sell on a daily basis. Um, so about, I would say 1.5 million on about 160 SKUs. So um, we're pretty happy with those results given it was one store and uh, want to definitely scale it up this year a lot bigger. Nice, nice. Now, Kenzo, you have a third way. I believe you already mentioned it. You said you are mainly doing like the the wholesale model. So, first of all, like what what was your 2019 sales? Would you say for the for the year for gross sales under using the wholesale model of selling on Amazon? So it's it's very light, seven figures. Um, nothing crazy this year because we went and uh, started supplying uh, other retailers now. So we're actually being a middleman as well and supplying other you know wholesalers on Amazon and uh, not just putting everything into our own stores. Um, but yeah, basically the wholesale models, it's relatively, I think it's the simplest and most beginner friendly in my opinion, um, with the exception of needing to have a decent amount of starting capital. Um, reason being is as, you know, drop shipping, like Chris said, you don't really need crazy amount of funds to start because you can put all the orders on your credit card, right? You're not buying any inventory until it's already sold. All I'm doing is I'm just going ahead and finding out what products sell well on Amazon and then I'm just sourcing them for a lower price, right? So I don't physically own or uh, I don't own any of the brands that I'm actually currently selling. So basically uh, to give an example, I've been selling a lot of Sonos bars recently. Um, So basically they'll retail for about $6.99 on Amazon and my wholesale price, I'll pick them up for about $3.50 a pop. Um, the only issue with this is, you know, I have to go ahead and front an obscene amount of money to lock in these deals where I'm making margins like these. Um, but it definitely, I feel like it is the easiest to scale, um, in terms of like, as long as your suppliers could feed you as much as you want to eat, I feel like there's not really something holding you back. Uh, we do have the issue of competing with other sellers on the Mm. listings rather than you know, you being your own brand, then you just worry about listing hijackers, which you could kick them off. But uh, dealing with other individuals and then dealing with companies that have MAPs and other things like that can uh, pose a headache. But otherwise, I, I really do enjoy, you know, the business model that I follow. Interesting. Interesting. So like, some people have different kind of definitions of like the wholesale model. You know, like Correct. we've had people on here who's like for them, wholesale is like it's almost like private label where they go to a company and say, hey, let me take over your your Amazon listings and let me just run it for you and I'll just take a cut. Mm-hmm. Other people, wholesale just like, hey, I have a, here's a list of wholesale prices. I'm just gonna buy this from a distributor and then resell it for a profit. So like, w- which of those models are you kind of so doing? So basically I follow more so the second one. I deal with two different types of suppliers, authorized distributors, as well as liquidation and closeouts. Um, I don't deal with any brands directly. 
um, just because I feel like my expertise isn't per se, you know, the, uh, brand management, you know, making sure their BSRs are great and all that. Don't get me wrong. I know how to run a PPC campaign and whatnot, but it's more so I already know what's selling. Everything I'm doing is a very educated decision. So like I said, if I'm dealing with Johnson Johnson um, and I see that they're selling, you know, Oral-B toothbrushes for $7 and they're reselling for 25 on Amazon and I know I can make a margin on it, you know, that's what I'm going ahead and dealing with. So um, I'm not dealing with any brands directly. Now, Melissa, something interesting about you, if I was looking at your, your Instagram was that you work also with like influencers, celebrities and help them like develop their own, you know, their brands and things like, is there any cool story, bro, that you can, that you can tell us about or is it, or that, you know, of how you help somebody or, or how, you know, maybe somebody who never would have gotten into it and, and, and they just, you know, thanks to you, they discovered a private label and now they're, they're doing X or Y. Yeah. So one of the first people that trusted me in this business model, so his name's Bryce Alderson and he's become one of my best friends through this process that we've been through together. So when I first started selling on Amazon, you know, I was excited when I got like sales on Amazon, even though it wasn't much, I was posting it up on Instagram. It's like, oh my God, like, thank you so much. It's always like so exciting, especially just waking up to sales and it really like, it's just, there's no other feeling like it. So my friend Bryce, he reached out to me, we caught up over coffee. He actually used to play professional soccer and for the Vancouver Whitecaps, one thing that I just always tell people, especially if we ever go out and like when he was single and we, we would like, you know, I'd play the wing woman. I would tell them, Hey, like this guy has a character in a video game. Have you ever played FIFA? <laughs> so he actually has a character for like, um, I think three years out of like FIFA 13, 14, 15 or something like that. Um, and he got injured, unfortunately. So stopped playing soccer and then he bought up a pizza store, um, decided that that wasn't really scalable. Cause the thing about franchising and pizza, um, stores is you have to actually be there for him. It wasn't scalable and he saw the e-commerce model and found it really appealing. So we decided to partner up on a store together or a brand and we built a brand from scratch and we last it's, it's been around for about almost two years. So I think about 18 months effectively last year, we did 1.7 million with that one brand. I'm all about, you know, collaboration over competition. So it's cool when you can find people that just get it. We're in the same niche as you. And then to be able to travel and you know, make money online together and to really impact lives. Cause these guys, they're doing some really big things where they're like mentoring some really young people and, you know, they're changing lives at the end of the day. So, yeah. So e-commerce e has definitely opened up a lot of doors. You know, I, I follow you on Instagram sometime and I don't even know who all everybody is, but then I'll click on their profile these people who are in your Instagram story. I'm like, all right, this person has like 5 million followers. This person has 10 million followers. But so like, you know, I, I think, uh, e-commerce helps you, you know, make a great living for yourself, but also opens up all these other avenues and, and fun activities that, you know, you might never have done before. For what sure. about, what about with you, uh, Chris or, or Kenzo, either of you, like how has been, you know, selling in e-commerce and what kind of avenues or what kind of ridiculous story can you tell us that, that has been opened up to you? Thanks to choosing this as your business model. Chris, uh, start with you. I, I really think uh, the main thing to really <clears throat> realize here is that we all make choices uh, with our money, right? And everybody who's buying a product online, no matter where they are in the world, they are making a choice. They're making a decision to spend their money, the choice to buy whatever product that is, whether that's toothpaste, whether that's a plaque, whether that's a photo, whether that's food, right? And so you're just the reason you mentioned that, uh, Bradley, that uh, the world opens up to you is, is specifically for that reason is because e-commerce not only is ability to make money online, but it's ability to connect yourself with 
people who are making a decision to buy your product who live in Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. Africa, Europe, anywhere around the world, right? And just the fact that you have that one small connection, which is a click of a button away, right, connects you to them in some way. And so I think the biggest uh, kind of shocker for me was that uh, a couple of years ago when I had first started teaching and getting involved with showing people how to sell things online, uh, one of my mentors, I was teaching this course in his living room, right? Uh, you know, my buddy Kenzo was there as well. And the fact that two years later, I am living in that same living room now, Hmm. Uh, you know, it's I'm actually living there. I have a lease there. And so just, you know, coming from literally 3000 miles away in Florida, central Florida and coming out to California two years later and actually living in the spot that I was once teaching at is just kind of mind blowing to me. What about you, Ken? Like, what's the coolest thing that just like maybe you inspire somebody who out there like because of e-commerce, you were able to do this or you've had this door open and maybe somebody will be inspired to do the same. So, I mean, the whole journey has been crazy to me. I mean, I've never been the person to think I couldn't do something. And I feel like that's something I owe my success to. Uh, I remember back in high school, I saw this car. It was a Jaguar F-Type and oh my God, I was in love with it. Um, And I told myself, I'm going to get this car by 2020. And honestly, I got the car. I hate it. I hate driving it. It's truly ridiculous that what we're able to do with this whole e-commerce era, like we're truly blessed because like Amazon, for example, it's a business that does not discriminate. You could be black, white, 80, you know, seven years old. It it really doesn't matter as long as like everybody has the exact same fighting chance with the exception of, you know, like resources. Um, But in reality, anybody could do it from anywhere in the world. It's just it's it's just a, a true blessing for me that I was able to, you know, I'm able to live this lifestyle that I do now due to me spending a few hours on a laptop, clicking some buttons. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that that's just really ridiculous that what I'm able to do at my age is, is just really mind blowing. All right. Now we, right before I, I want to play a new game that I haven't played with any guests before, but before we get to there, we have a section of the show that we call that stands for TST 30 second tip. So be thinking each of you, I'm going to, you only have 30 seconds to say it, but something that is like a, a knowledge bomb or or something that a strategy that can really help, you know, it could be about your launch strategy. It could be about how to talk to a wholesale supplier. It could be about how to not kill yourself while driving to McLaren. It could be about whatever you guys want, but it has to be 30 seconds or less. So we're going to start with Melissa. What is your for the audience today? I guess my 30 second tip would be to network, 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 meet people, go to networking events, whether they're free or paid you know, travel, take yourself out of your comfort zone and your environment. I feel that I get stuck a lot in my home office. So what I do is I'll just take a trip and travel and then I'll meet amazing people like Kenzo and Chris who help me level up or who know people that might be able to help me grow personally or my business. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. Chris. I think that the biggest thing that I've learned that's helped me through my life is that if I want to start something, I want to make sure that I can be the best at what I'm doing. Uh, the only thing that separates me from a skill that I'm learning is how much work I put in. doesn't matter how much, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many resources you have. You're just not going to outwork me. So if I can at least get that part down, be the best that I can at my skill. Uh, I know that I'm going to have the best results, right? So uh, I really think it's just avoiding trying to learn 50 million things at one time, right? A lot of people want to get into e-commerce, then they want to get into Amazon, Shopify, Etsy, Walmart, and they want to try to sell on 50 different platforms, but never really be good at one thing. And a lot of people fail to realize that if you're just really, really, really freaking good at one thing, 
a lot of that knowledge can transfer out into a lot of other avenues. Enzo, what's your tss for us? My, how do you say it? <laughs> My tss would be just do it. In reality, what do you have to lose? I remember I read this article and I actually went and tried it out myself. I visited, I visited a senior center in my hometown and basically I just went up to three, uh, three individuals there and I asked them what they regretted most in life and it wasn't what they did do, but it's what they didn't do. So in reality, you know, it, the master has failed more times than the beginner has ever, you know, the person that hasn't started. And I just want individuals to go out there and do that thing that they've been wanting to do, grab it by the throat. Cause in reality, when you're 80 years old, you know, you say, oh, I failed at this or, oh man, I wish I would have tried this. So, I mean, in reality, that that's all I have to say. All right. Love it. Love it. All right. Now we're going to do something new. And, and then you guys who are listening, you guys can kind of play along too, but don't be cheating by having Helium 10 open or anything, but we're going to play something called, first of all, the search volume game. Okay. Now I, I have three keywords here. And then as, as you guys may or may not know, you know, Helium 10 has accurate estimated monthly search volume. How many times somebody's searching for these keywords a month? All right. Like I said, guys, if you're listening, play along. All right. Three words. We've got LED lights, LED lights for bedroom, LED lights for car. All right. So three LED lights related keywords. Now, this is like an even crazier number. All right. One of these only has 9,000 monthly searches. The middle one has 380,000 searches a month. And the one that has the most searches has 614,000 monthly searches. So are these analytics like up to date today, right? Within the last three weeks. Yes. Within the last three weeks. So I, it's basically, the, it's, it's updated every week and it's the, the last 30 days kind of of searches. Okay. Cause My, I've been seeing crazy I, ads for on those. TikTok, so on TikTok, there's this like trend where people have like these LED light strips for their bedroom and mm -hmm. I feel like that is probably the highest. I feel like everyone's searching them now because they see all their favorite TikTokers yeah, using these lights. So sure. just like based on trends, I think that it's the LED lights for bedroom. bedroom. Yeah. And then I think LED lights would be second and then LED lights. I agree with that just last. because LED lights is like it's such a broad thing that like like uh, my family runs a construction company, so like they're buying LED lights like on Amazon. Uh, but I've been seeing crazy ads on Instagram for the ones in their cars. But I mean, I just haven't like. I that's based on you because you like cars. You're right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So it's Target. It's so okay. niche. So, so I agree with, with Melissa in, in that, you know, the one, two, three of bedrooms, LED lights and LED lights for cars. I agree. All right. No, the third place, 9,000 monthly searches, LED lights for car. Yeah. All right. I'm down. <laughs> LED lights for bedroom, 380,000. The number one is just the, the wow. generic LED light. So this is different than the stuffed animal one so, where so stuffed animal wasn't. I think it's, it's because people search for LED lights first and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Let me exactly. Let me see LED for So here's bedroom. the thing. And this is why I, I teach people one about search volume. Don't just be looking at the search volume because I guarantee there's more people who are purchasing something from LED lights for bedroom or stuffed animal storage, as opposed to these general keywords. The people who use these general keywords, I don't think actually buy anything from that search because if you actually search that on Amazon, it's so varied. You will have some for bedroom, you will have some for car, which means that the buyer behavior is, is people buying all kinds of things. I, I view people who use those really broad terms, they're using Amazon more like Pinterest or Etsy or something just to like get some ideas. Right. And then they'll niche down and yeah. go to one of these, these detailed ones. So like for, for example, 
if I had LED lights that are for a car, I'm going after that 8,000 keyword. I'm not going to go after the LED lights because I think somebody searching LED lights for car is looking for probably what I'm trying to sell. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for coming down here to our office and uh, explaining your uh, cool backstories and the kind of different uh, methodology that each of you have to be, have, you know, in the room, we have over eight figures worth of sales in 2019 and not one of you guys are really doing the same thing that somebody else is doing. And so guys, if you're listening out there, no matter what your age or can you tell me your ages so people can, people can uh, know. I'm 25, 25, Chris. I'm 27, 27. Kenzo. I'm 18, 18. Amazing guys. All right. So if, if uh, anybody wants to ask you guys some questions or follow your journey out there, uh, how can they find you on the, on the interwebs? You can follow me on Instagram. It's at Melissa with one S M E L I S A, or I'm also on YouTube now. You must have had Instagram for a long time to be able to have that handle. Huh? No, uh, I no? actually yeah. just know people who know people. So I was able to get the username. Ooh, you fancy, huh? I like it. <laughs> Chris, uh, you guys can go ahead and follow me at Chris O. So literally just the name Chris with the letter O. That's another very yeah, short like uh, Instagram handle. Believe it or not, somebody did have the name Chris already, and I don't know people who know people who know people who know people to get that one. That's okay. OG. All right, Kenzo. Uh, so if you guys want to go ahead and find me, I'm solely on Instagram. It is at K-N-Z-O. Sweet. I've had uh, seven-figure, you know, 20-year-old sellers on here, and it's important to understand that whether, you know, I think Kenzo was the one who said it, you know, whether you're seven, whether you're 17, whether you're 77, Amazon is an equal playing field. All right. Jeff Bezos doesn't discriminate based on age or where you come from. Anybody has an equal chance of making big money on Amazon. And it's not just about private label or it's not just about arbitrage or it's not just about dropshipping. There's multiple ways to skin a cat on Amazon. So, guys, you just got to hop in and do it. That's one thing that all three of these individuals have in common was they didn't just take a course or they didn't just you know study about it. They actually did things, something, you know, they, they went and they, and they actually applied what they learned. And now they're crushing it because of that. So thank you guys. And we'd love to, to reach out to you maybe in January, February of 2021 and see, see how that trip around the world went. The kind of sad thing is here. I know Kenzo was like hoping that Melissa would go, but no mention about Chris over here about that around the world trip. So well, it's basically just Chris, you're not allowed, I guess. Guaranteed basically. Okay. Okay, good. So I, I want to hear about that around the world trip and then uh, to see what new, what new cars that you guys uh, have by then. All right. Thanks a lot guys. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher, or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.